0: Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Anthony, the CTO at ss and we discuss the value of deep experience for technology leaders, takeaways from leading teams from three to three thousand people, and the importance of staying humble as you progress in your career. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello, hello.
1: Hey, what's up, man?
0: There he is. Look at look at that hair. Is that some COVID hair?
1: I actually put water in it today for you, truthfully. My wife was like, she's like, so you're just going to do that? And I was like, I guess that means to change it. No holes in the t-shirts. That's it, man.
0: It went from like professional headshot that I was looking at, To now I feel like you're a music producer or a snowboarder.
1: Yeah. Or, I, you know, exactly. So like the, um, could be a car salesman too with this, (laughs) but um, yeah, no, the, uh, I just, I haven't been going because I used to go to the barber like every Saturday and then I just, I stopped this was getting bad. So I shaved that, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean,
0: are you guys still pretty locked down?
1: Jersey's going up, Jersey's on the rise the cases are all going up and, and, you know, schools are shutting down all over the place. So we try to keep it, you know, cause we have uh, two little kids and then my wife's pregnant. So we try to keep it like, uh, no thanks.
0: Yeah. How old are your kids?
1: So five, three, and then, you know, a couple months.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I, this morning, I actually, <laughs> I te- like right before the show, I was texting my wife because uh, as I was getting ready, I went to you know throw away like my floss into the trash, and there was an empty pregnancy test box, and so I I, <laughs> I texted her and I said, "Hey, is everything cool? I I saw this in the trash," and she she's like, "Oh, I was just cleaning this morning." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, cool. We've got two little ones. We've got a uh, three and one and a half." But uh, I was like, "She she had a a lot uh, a lot bigger laugh than me."
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're just like, oh, wait a
0: second. Uh, Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be the sleuth, the investigator here, but uh, I've got to ask. You can't not ask when you see an empty pregnancy box test in your trash can,
1: you know? I totally agree. (laughs) totally agree. totally agree.
0: Is this your first podcast?
1: No. So, like, so throughout the years, you know, I've done them. I've done talks. So, not my first, but I think it's the first one in... A little bit I think since I joined SSNC right this is the first time uh, I've done it just because it's just been so busy
0: do you listen to other podcasts are you a fan of them
1: yeah yeah I, I, I like Joe Rogan Yep, right I like I like his style like I like a lot of the stuff about it I think it's you know after the whole thing after the pot, uh, Spotify acquisition I think it's interesting because his content isn't it's it's random, right? He doesn't really take sides that often, so I think it's it's interesting to see some of the stuff that's going on. Um, and then other podcasts, random like Barbell Shrugged. There's a uh, there's some tech ones that are pretty cool. So you know, I just try to listen to as many of them as I possibly can at this point.
0: Yeah, I did notice to your point after the Spotify uh, transition for him, I just started seeing some guests that I don't think he would have on. Like authors yeah. of books that like I didn't think he would be reading. And it's just like, I get it, right? But if I mean a lot of love to him, way to land hundreds of millions of dollars as a contract and not have to run that sales process anymore.
1: Yeah. It you know, it's interesting, right? Because I was I was reading uh Spotify's relative, you know, they're they're progressive, right? So I was reading um recently how they're starting to try to silence some of his content because they don't necessarily agree with it. And I get it, right? You do whatever. But like, I'm very curious to see how it shapes up over time. But yeah, look, hundred million dollars, like I'm sure if someone came and said, hey, we'll give you a hundred mil for your podcast, you'd be like, I I think we could do that. You could probably work (laughs) it
0: out. That all of my anger or like caring about it, 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 it's interesting if you have a hundred million dollar or a $300 million check in front of you. It's like ah uh, your brain just starts figuring out every way why you could take it.
1: Oh 100%. Right? I mean like it's it's kind of a, at that point a, a no brainer. So, I you know, more power to
0: them. I haven't heard of Barbell Shrugged. Is that a like fitness podcast?
1: Yeah, it's it's a cool one. It's just a couple of uh a couple of guys that they talk to different people in like the whole weightlifting situation and they, you know, they just talk through different things about like you know styles methods uh eating philosophies uh i think the the recent one that was pretty interesting they went through um tom brady's the tb12 which is interesting uh his whole process so yeah it's pretty cool one you know it's it's you just throw it on in the background when you drive and and it's you know it, it takes your mind off of the different things
0: are you into fitness like what do you do do you work out do you lift weights do you run
1: Yeah, so definitely run a lot. And then definitely, um, so I used to do strongman competitions years ago. Yeah. So not like, not like some of these different, some of these guys are a little, little too much, but like, you know, we used to travel around and compete in different small, uh, different competitions, which was a lot of fun. So, you know, way before COVID, which I'm super happy about, um, I converted my garage into a full gym based off of like equipment that we've had from closed gyms. So like, you know, the stones, the yolks, the farmer carries the, the squat racks, all that stuff I have in there. Um, so yeah, so usually, like literally on the other side of this wall. So as soon as I'm done during the day here, I just pop right in there. Uh, me and my wife swap, and then I'll cook or she'll cook. And then, you know, we'll both be able to get it in for a little bit.
0: Nice. I'm pretty big into fitness this past year. My big thing was like, foundation so i wanted to build a strong foundation after having the kids and such a crazy work schedule I said all right i'm going to give myself five years to build a solid foundation i'm going to start by just monitoring so i started monitoring my like tracking all my in fitness pal like all the calories all the macros understanding that first couple weeks i did nothing except for just track then i started changing based on that and then i started trying different macro splits to find the one that like gave me the most consistent energy throughout the day and so I've been consistently tracking it for almost 360 something days now, because I started at the end of last year. And then uh, I weigh myself every morning at the same time. And so I got to really understand like how my body processes food and how it works. And I'll tell you what, like I gained weight and lost weight before, but you kind of just feel like it's it's happening. And when you actually like weigh all your food and everything you eat and completely understand the exact nutrients that are going into your body, for an extended period of time, like months, you just get this completely different understanding of of how nutrition is. And I think that's important. Like we could tie that back to like work and leadership because your nutrition is affecting your mood, it's affecting everything.
1: It, it's also discipline though, right? Like it take it's not like people think like, oh, you know, you know your way, blah, blah, blah. It's hard, right? Like it takes a lot of discipline, especially with little kids, right? So you you know this just as well, they got snacks galore. <gasps> right? Yeah. So it's super difficult to be like, okay, I'm, I, I know that if I eat this, it's going to add, you know, X amount of macros for the, the carbs, the protein, and you know, and it's just it, it is it's hard, especially going out. And but that discipline really, it, it does help transition into a lot of different things. And, and like you said, right, you also have to test, you have to understand and learn what works for you. And I think I'm very similar, to the same, right? So you talk to a lot of these guys that lift really heavy, they're like, Oh, carb, carb, carb. But for me, that doesn't work right because it doesn't it, my body does not accept it well so like i get sluggish i get tired and they're like well you know you need to eat like 7 billion grams of carbohydrates right before like a big squat day and i'm like well if i did that i'd be like super sick and i wouldn't be able to do anything so discipline is is and, and learning and it does pivot very well into leadership right yes
0: Did you always do this? Or was it like stress from work? You started to get a healthier lifestyle? Or has this been all since you were in high school type deal?
1: No, no. So I, you know, throughout high school, it was just I was like, I was your typical, like sitting on the computer for 100 million hours a day, not paying attention to anything else. So like health was not it, you know, smoked cigarettes, that whole thing. And then I think it was around like 20 or 21 where my doctor was like, dude, if you do this, continue this, you're just, you're going to die. So he's like, so have fun. Um, And so that, that point I was like, well, I probably don't want to die. So then I just turned everything around, hooked up with some people that, you know, were similar mindset, um, made some friends and then, you know, and and that's, that's kind of it.
0: So were you programming in high school?
1: Yeah. 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 As a, in high school and and even as a a kid, right? So we all, I kind of started this, I started doing a lot of this stuff in like fifth, sixth grade. Uh, That's when like VB was cool and like, you know, online gaming was was not as cool as it is today, but it was still pretty cool for us. Uh, And then that kind of got me into that era. I mean, the movie Hackers originally was it. And then I quickly realized like, wait, it's not as visual as this, but this is still kind of cool. Uh, and then it just kind of took off from there.
0: Nice. Did you end up going to college for this? Or did you just go right into the market?
1: So I went to school for a little bit. And then what wound up happening is, is I, 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 when I was at the school, they didn't really have a good Linux program foundation. And their online school system was pretty bad. So I helped pivot into just building it with them. And then eventually they were like, well, you can't really go to school here anymore since you're building the system. And I said, okay, well, whatever. And then uh, from there, I just kind of pivoted and took off. Uh, And then lately I've been going through and just finishing out the degree, just not necessarily because I feel like I need it, but for me, it's more like I only live one time. So if it's just something that I wanna try to just get behind me, then it's, you know, why not, right? I gotta try as many different things as I can.
0: I was surprised you didn't like graduate with every possible degree the college could issue. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i I just my attention span is like it's you know i i I like being able just to jump in and be more hands-on and learn it and you know sometimes i think like if i would have focused on it where would i have been now in comparison to if i you know similar to not doing it but you know i i I do want to finish it and that's what i've been working towards because it's just you know it's just something to do did you finish no
0: no but i was alluding for you i was alluding more to like just you being in the database of their system, helping them build their systems and just issuing yourself like doctor of veterinary medicine. (laughs)
1: Like at some point someone will give me an honorable doctorate, but I'll wait for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. So, so you, you go through uh, college, you build these systems, you get really into building systems farther and farther. And then what's your first like major job?
1: Oh, um, so I, I had a bunch of them, right? So like way long ago, I started in an internet cafe in South Jersey, right? So that was, you know, and it was funny because we were just, we were helping people, fixing computers, running like Counter-Strike leagues, stuff like that. And then it quickly pivoted into a uh, babysitting job. So that's when I, you know, because parents would just drop kids off. So then I left, went to a couple of different tech companies, um, but I, I would say that probably I was at some internet scale startup a long time ago called ideally.com. And I think that would have been, well, maybe my publisher.com was the real first tech job. And that was uh, focused around like online photos that got bought by uh Shutterfly, I think. And then from there, it was just startup, 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 startup. And then um, I think probably the one startup that gave the most, brought the most experience and was the most interesting was DigitalOcean. Um, I think everybody kind of knows that name you know we started that with uh next to nothing and then now it's it's you know it's a massive player in that in that cloud market which was cool
0: yeah i was a big fan when i was doing the prep when i saw that you were a site reliability engineer at digital ocean i was like yeah because i was a huge fan of them for a, for a while and i was using them to deploy some ruby applications and uh, they were they were super useful and that was my introduction to sort of like the pipeline build deploy that was like the first time i was doing that and then i got into heroku and kind of fell in love with that after but they're 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 like different uses right uh, however i love the branding that they i remember that i remember that good branding and i remember it was like they were one of the only people doing that at the time
1: yeah art so it was a wild ride right a lot of really smart people came through that place And one thing that I will say that we did focus on in the beginning was simplicity and marketing. We're real good at that, right? That was a huge that UI UX, you know, it was, it was the key to that success. Cause what was under the hood was just, it wasn't as glamorous as what you, what everybody saw, but over time, obviously it got better as we, as we grew and, and just attracted more intelligent talent, but it was, it was a ride and it was a lot of fun, right? We start we were in, this tiny, tiny like little room with a bunch of folks just kind of hammering away on things. And it was, you know, sometimes my wife laughs at it because sometimes like I wouldn't come home for like four or five days just sleeping in the office, just working on stuff, right? Like deploying code before, you know, um going to like a like a, a venture event, right? Like it was just, it was a it was a different but different time, but it was a lot of fun. It's it's a massive learning experience to go through, you know, building you know thousand server data centers in like hours right like it was it was it was a trip
0: at the time was digital ocean like building their own hosting equipment or were they using like a cloud provider
1: no we did everything our so we would we would buy whatever gear came in so the way we kind of looked at it was uh, very commodity based right so we would just look for cores memory and storage and that's it. So if you came in at the best price for the for that different type of gear, we would just buy loads of it, and um, and then we had a ton a ton of automation behind the scenes that um, would help us stand up data centers, stand up racks. Like you could stand up a full rack of a forty eight U rack in like seven to ten minutes, right? Like very quick. And then we did we definitely did some really crazy things on the networking side too. So that networking team was really really strong. Uh, at first it was nobody, it was me and a few people, but then we hired some real smart talent and, and they kind of helped scale that up. Uh, it
0: was cool. It was cool. How has, how has site reliability engineering evolved? Cause I mean, that must've been at least 10 years ago, DigitalOcean. Yeah. So what is it like now? Do you follow it still?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I still follow it. Right. And you know, we hire them right we hire a bunch of the different sre types but i think it's more specialized at this point right so like we have an overarching sre organization and i have a ton of different you know writings about kind of how i feel that these organizations should be built but you know we have we have people that at least have focus areas right so we'll have the infrastructure side sres that are like networking focused and uh database focused and big data focused or you know cloud focused and, and kind of different in, in that world so it's evolved, but I think that people are still trying to form their own opinion on how they should deploy it, right? It's, they've gone through that, oh, yeah, this, this isn't as easy as the Google book says, right? So, you know, it, it's it's not one size fits all. And I think people are starting to realize that. But, you know, the talent is, is there. So it, it's it's definitely growing still.
0: I met this startup a few months ago that's doing something really cool in the site reliability engineering area. They're called Gremlin. I don't know. You've heard of them? Do you like what they're doing? I thought it was amazing.
1: Yeah, they got some cool stuff. They have some smart people too, right? So uh, we have a couple of folks from Do that are that are over there and working on the platform.
0: Oh, very good. It's a small world, right? Like all the great people kind of like collect together, and then the relationships between them, especially even like between guests, I find out you know different people know each other. It's like it feels like such a big world. But then it becomes really, really small. And that just you know underscores the importance of reputation and being like a, a good person. Cause whoever is your direct report today may be the investor tomorrow.
1: Yep. Oh, it's yeah, but I so that it's interesting you say that, right? Because I do think that that is something that young engineers should really understand. Cause I didn't know that as a young engineer, right? I was very bullish. I was very um you know, uh, argumentative, right? Because you just want your opinions to be heard, and you want to be in the front of everything, right? So, I think it's one message that when people ask me and we talk about, it, they're like, "What's the one thing?" I'll be humble. You've got to remain humble because I've been in plenty of situations where, like you said, now that person that reported to you and you just weren't very kind, they're the one you're asking for an investment in something. So it's it's definitely a big thing to take away.
0: So, where are you at today? You're at SSNC Technologies, right?
1: Yeah, SS and C. Um, so we are, as just like a quick high level, we are a very large organization in the financial services industry. So publicly traded, uh, twenty three to twenty six thousand employees globally, one hundred and sixty two offices. We're we're a big organization.
0: And what what's like the problem you solve?
1: So it's it's interesting, right? We solve a ton of different problems, right? So our product portfolio is is massive, right? And our goal is to make sure that no matter what vertical you're in, in the financial services industry, we could jump in and we could help you um, from end to end, right? So yeah, we look, we're essentially like that, the fi- the plumbing of the financial services industry, right? It's It's a big, big focus and industry for us. That's why our product portfolio is is so massive. And, you know, the services, they range from uh, middle office, front office and back office accounting, fund management, fund analytics, risk analytics, we do full BCPDRs, uh, virtual data rooms, BPO automation, just everything that customer needs, no matter what, again, no matter what vertical they're in.
0: So who, I know you have so many, like who is the usual... Customer, Is it mostly like banks and funds or do you get like small family offices or?
1: Everything. So, Everything. Yeah. Big investment banks, uh, big banks, um, middle, middle-sized hedge funds, small-sized hedge funds, uh, high-frequency trading shops, private equity shops, venture capital firms, uh, small mom-and-pop shops, family offices, uh, you name it we are we are there and we also have an entire uh, health area so SSC health so oh, we cool. do a lot of the yeah it, it, it is really cool right so we do a lot of the like the pharmacy transactions so that's another big area for us and a lot of the um like automation for the different insurance providers
0: oh very cool yeah i think i was talking it's like a company called change healthcare a long time ago and they were just they were explaining to me this process of the the prescriptions and the finance, the business model there and how this works. And for me, I just geek out over that type of stuff. Basically, it's understanding complicated systems, like I can geek out just as hard as understanding a code base, as I can understanding somebody's different business model.
1: And that's what's really cool about it, right? Because they 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 are, they're one and the same. At the end of the day, financial services and healthcare, and, and most of these things that exist, you're just processing transactions. And you just have to do it at a high volume and reliably, right? And and you don't, and you, you know, especially in financial services and healthcare, like you can't just drop transactions because that's, you know, either A, millions of dollars or B, somebody's life, right? So that's something that we've focused on for for a long time. And especially since I walked in here, is just resiliency and stability to make sure that we can process everything
0: accurately. I guess it's a good word. So do you guys do I had a um a financial software company before I did the podcast and we were doing like retirement analysis, withdrawal strategies against tax bracket, like everything. We were just putting in tons of financial products and then model hundreds of thousands of scenarios for the best situation for the person based on how much cash they need to burn and you know where they're at. Um, so I looking back on it it's like you know three or blur but when you see the suite of tools it's like this is unbelievable it's so cool so then i sold my interest in that and started the podcast and um i was curious do you guys like one of the big problems over there was getting access to like financial data as from everything from the bank accounts like a plaid would do now to a stock market data, they charge you it's basically free if it's a day delay. But as you get down to the millisecond, you're spending 10s of 1000s of dollars. Do you guys get into the data feeds over there? Or, or do you just provide services? Everything.
1: Everything. So Everything. We have, we have every data feed that you could imagine coming in from markets coming in from exchanges, even you know, we have a whole business called uh, fix that we host fixed infrastructures for uh, for customers, right? So, like live exchanges that people can transact on, um, that you know you place orders and such. Uh, we, you know, interesting. You said retirement because we're actually one of the largest um, largest companies that host that host all of the uh, retirement accounts for some of these large organizations, right? So, all of the account information, all of that stuff is housed within SSNC. And so, the nice thing about it is is that all of this data is, is so rich. So we are, we're able, and you know, you mentioned um, analytics around portfolios, right? So we do a bunch of things. We bought a company called Algorithmics that does portfolio risk assessments, right? Mm-hmm. So it's feeding all that data into it and it looking at portfolio and portfolio information and able to, to, to calculate risk based off of what positions you're gonna take and what direction you're gonna move in. It's, yeah, it's definitely really powerful.
0: Yes, I, I liked this one company a while back called like Riskalyze. They were doing some stuff, um, but they were they had, they had a cool culture and I liked their branding, but that's, that's like the basis of it. Pretty much branding wins me over like nine times out of ten. <laughs> if something's beautiful, you want to walk up to it and experience it.
1: it. So I will admit, it's really important, right? I've seen like, you know, you could have the coolest technology under the hood, but I've seen these front end apps that are just like, I'm, what is this? <laughs> like ah, uh, if it's this bad, it's probably not any good. So I'm just going to ignore it, right?
0: So one of the one of the things that caught my interest when you were talking about how large it is, and it seems like you have like a large product portfolio, and you're you're building this stuff because you have data and you're connecting things. It seems like if a new product were to come on the market that did something, uh, how would you like? How does the information flow given the size of the organization? How, wh- where does the back signal go off or the, the bell ring that says, hey, our customers, we should build this product now because this is emerging in the marketplace? Like, How do you get that information? Is that a team? Is it, what is it?
1: So it, there's so many different ways because of how large we are. Um, but, you know, the way that our organization is structured and the way the leadership is structured is... Um, there's constant feedback. So we built something out called pods and pods are a way that our pods are a way that these different folks from all the walks of the different business units can come together and share this information. So like, as an example, um, you know, we have, uh, let's say we have one large customer that uses one product set. And then, then we find out that you know, through conversations, through these pods or through different levels of communication that they're looking at, you know, all these other four or five product sets that we have. So those groups come together, they talk, and then they host the meetings, and they have the conversations, and then they'll start putting together additional feedback that they're getting from the customer for something new that they're talking about, kind of tie it together, and then just kind of build a strategy around, okay, how do we address this? And that's kind of honestly how a recent product around uh, kind of customer data platforms kind of came about because we have so many different customers and everybody came together and said, hey, everyone's asking for this particular thing. So, you know, we can get requirements and get just general feedback and then we could start building it. But that leadership funnel and that way the organization structure is, is, is powerful and, it, and it's key to kind of the success of a lot of these things.
0: So it's, it's happening amongst the executives. It's like baked into the culture.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. It's, it's, you know, cause it's, it's in everyone's best interest to make sure that our customers are happy. Right. So, you know, the more we collaborate, the more the customer, you know, feels that, and they feel that, you know, we're one large organization instead of 50 small organizations.
0: So when the idea comes up to build this new product, right, based off of the customer's feedback, what's the process they go through to get funding for that within the org?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, right? So, you know, in that situation, it it definitely depends, right? So it could be where we take one or two or three people off of any other given project and say, okay. You know let's let's start scoping this out and let's start putting together a prototype or an mvp of some kind very small very narrow scope we'll get some feedback from the customers and if they like that then we'll start putting more teams and more people and more money behind it right but a lot of these things they'll you know you don't you don't want to be in a situation where you just have a ton of these pet projects and like nothing ever comes to fruition um so we really focus on starting small. Uh, getting something functional out the door in a very small amount of time, uh, getting customer feedback, and then if, again, right? If it takes off, boom. Then we, we hit the races and we put the money where it deserves to be.
0: Yeah, I love that day one mentality or the the start. I heard Bezos in a number of interviews, and he constantly talks about how everything they do they start really really small.
1: S S N C, and, and this is one thing that that drew me to the organization. Right? So S S N C is like it is such an entrepreneurial company, right? It's anybody's ideas, anybody's, um, you know, uh, any any direction you think that you could take, any way that you could make the customers happier, it doesn't matter what level in the organization that you are in, you could bring that up and, and it's, and, and you could essentially start forming a product around it and build an entire ecosystem organically around your idea. Like there's not many companies that offer that level of, you um, you know autonomy right and, and and the big thing here is, is that we are a merit a meritocracy right a lot of people say that they are but we truly are so it's, it''s it's interesting right so bill Bill Stone is our founder and he is he is as accessible as any other person that that's that's at this level right like you could email Bill at you know two o'clock in the morning he, he may respond he may not but most of the time I get responses right and that's you don't see that often. Um, so I think that's really cool. And we're willing to try just about anything, right? Because again, it's whatever's going to help our customer.
0: Yeah, it's because his heart's in it. Yeah. He likes it. He likes what he does. He's living Love his it. dream.
1: Loves it. Love, and he stays on top of us, right? Like he's, you know, he, him and, and, and our COO, Raul Canwar, they're they're really, they're just, they're such a, so involved. And, you know, they they're open to listen to just about anything. And I think that's what makes people really, really drive to kind of really change things because change could happen. At It's hard at, at a lot of big organizations. It doesn't happen that quickly, but here it could happen at the drop of a dime. And that's what's really cool to see.
0: Founders still being at the company is one of my biggest criteria for my personal investment strategy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because I, I'm a founder. I have a company. I mean, we're under 20 people. We're small, but like, I know what it would be like with a board running it Cause you know, we, we have investors and we have a board and I know what it'd be like if a board runs it and I know what it's like if a founder's ru- running it and it's never the same, like it's not. Yeah.
1: No, and it's smart. Right. That's a good way to see it because you know, it's, it's always one of the, like, it's one of those things. So if, if the folks that started it, they all bailed, like then what's the point, right? Like you obviously don't believe in that mission. Right. I mean, sure. You know, maybe you made your money and, and now you're just like, oh, I just want to go make more money somewhere else. But You know if you believed in your product you believe in your mission you would stick around and bill's been in this since i think 86 right (laughs) which is which is crazy uh but more power to him
0: well it's a hard thing to experience because to, to really wrap your mind around it you have to spend time doing something you don't love and that's not rewarding and then you have to spend time trying to find out if you're doing what you love and then you have to actually you know, not give up, keep going, persist. Let years go by, and it's—they're not short lessons. These are like long lessons that take three, three to five years type deals to learn. There, it's—it's why experience is so important.
1: Yeah, and then think about now, right? Like we're a twenty-something thousand-person organization that had to go a hundred percent remote in weeks. Like that's hard. Right, that's not an easy feat. That's not an easy thing to go through. So, and and we're still like we're still releasing quarterly earnings, and we're still doing well. Right, we're doing really well. So, like you know, it's just it's this time is is crazy, and I feel like without somebody that's been in this and been attached to this for so long, like I'm not sure if you would do as well. Right.
0: Yeah, I was talking with Harry, uh, the CIO at Zoom he was just so chill and relaxed when I was asking him about how they went remote and how they handled COVID. He's like, yeah, we, we did it. We just, uh, we made it happen. And I was like, (laughs) it was like such a, such a, uh, like a laid back response. I want something, I want a better response. How did you guys do it? Like how, how do you like, what is going on? Maybe, maybe not how you do it, but like what is going on in your mind when, when you're like, okay, I lead the technology part of this. Technology organization. We have twenty thousand people, and now we have to go remote overnight.
1: It was it was it was crazy, right? But I would have to say that the team that I had around me, everything that we did for the past eighteen months, was it it really had its time to shine, right? We 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 just we were upgrading infrastructure. We were adding new features. We were adding um, new processes, new procedures, new tooling, and you know, it, it it was, it was definitely hectic. Like we didn't sleep for weeks. It was about probably a week that we were just constantly online, constantly online. Right. And then into the second week, which is, you know, you, you're in a situation where you have folks that normally would just go into an office and now you had to onboard them with laptops. That's hard, right? Because you still need to ensure security. So I was out talking to almost every contact I had, trying to source laptops. I think that was the most difficult piece to this entire thing. And then, you know, my team that sat there and they built, you know, fifteen thousand laptops in in two weeks. Like that's huge. And then Zoom was a big part of it, right? So I know uh, so I talked to Eric, their their CEO, frequently, and uh, you know I, I just thank him, right? Because going onto this platform really helped us. With our remote strategy, right? We had, because you could just imagine the sheer volume of troubleshooting that you would have to do when you go into the situation. And we used like Zoom rooms, like hundreds of Zoom breakout rooms where folks were able just to log into, get their problem solved, and then kind of hop back out. And we would just leave it open because you know the our call centers were just off the charts. So I would definitely say that our transition was was really smooth though. Because of everything that we what we focused on previously, and it you know not obviously not in anticipation of this, but um, you know it's the the, the team was came together and it's just really talented.
0: Yeah, Eric's fantastic. He uh, he's like the picture perfect way for a founder to interact on social media because he's like on twitter he's on linkedin he jumps into support questions he responds to people and it's actually him doing it right and i think that that's just so cool so so you're at DigitalOcean, right and then now you're at ssnc but um what did you did you meet the like when you left DigitalOcean? how did you meet ssnc like executive team how did you end up there
1: so I was at Bloomberg before this. Okay. Um, yeah, I did a bunch of different things at Bloomberg for a while. You know, SRE, building teams, building strategies, building platforms, security, security architecture, and then I got hooked up with um, with SSNC through a mutual friend. And you know, we had a couple different conversations, more than a couple, and it just like it, it made sense, right? Because you know, we they really needed somebody. That kind of had that financial services experience, but also had a completely different set of experience, like like the startup world, like you know scaling systems in that way to kind of come in and, and have a fresh look at you know how we do tech, how we do engineering, and kind of you know just overall you know how to build these teams because I think that's definitely the one of the bigger challenges of of this role.
0: So, what's your takeaways from building these teams? Like, what have you learned?
1: You know, um, it's, every day is, is a different lesson, right? And going through this whole thing, is it's just the emphasis on culture for us and for anybody, right, is just so important. And, and I used to just ignore it for a long time and always thought that it just, you know, it, it whatever, we're engineers, we'll get through it. But nope. You know, you have to make sure that the people are happy. You have to make sure that, you know, you could accurately assess their skill sets so you could place them in areas where they can be successful. You know, you have to make sure that, you know, you're also, I, so daily, something that I do daily, right. And and sometimes my, the folks that report directly into me aren't the happiest about it, but I I go down and, and I'll talk, I talk to anybody and everybody, right. So I'll randomly message people on, on our chat software, just be like, you know, Hey, whether they're, you know, a desktop support technician or whether they're, you know, uh, I don't know, a principal engineer. I'll just talk to them, see how their days are going, get an understanding, see if I can help, it can answer any problems. Cause one thing I tell them like, look, I've done all your jobs before. Like I've been there, like I've done it. And so, you know, I may be, you know, sitting all the way up here, but I still know a thing or two about how to do these things. So please, you know, use me, right? And I think that's been, especially during this pandemic, really valuable for them. and then a lot of the other things that I think were really important is as I focused on putting together um, kind of like these internal um, collaboration and communication things. So like we did uh, quarantine creations was really cool. So I let everybody kind of come together and show us something that they've done during quarantine that isn't necessarily computer related. Uh, everybody voted against each other and, and I, you know, they got like secret labs and Oculus gifts, right? which was really cool. We did one for Halloween and and now we're going to do one around like internal uh, gaming teams. And again, you know, you'll get a secret labs chair and some cool prize. But c- community and, and culture is, uh, I don't care what anybody says, it's definitely some of the most important things that you could do, especially in this role.
0: Do you drive that initiative yourself or do you have someone on your team that's like really strong in that area?
1: So it's me. I drive it, but I, I, I take the feedback from all of the, from the group. Because some of these folks, they have been, I've hired my, the way that I kind of built the team is my whole vision for my directs has always been engineers first, but leaders, leaders after, because I don't want somebody that's just a pure leader. It's just not interesting, to me, to right? Because I need folks that could dive down into the weeds and, and understand the problem space instead of, you know, just kind of delegating to everybody for everything. It's just not interesting to me. I like to have good conversations also. Um, but a lot of them come from so many different walks of life and so many different companies that they have really good opinions on culture, uh, and collaboration, communication and how to build these things. So uh, that's kind of where our pods concept came out of. Right. Which was lots of thinking, lots of reading, uh, lots of research and then uh, kind of getting feedback from the team, the business people and everybody and uh, kind of designing that um, that system, which was really cool.
0: Yeah. I like how you mentioned that the engineer first It's 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 that, you know, they have that, that capacity, that mindset to traverse ideas in a specific way to look at things, you know, like as if they're schematics almost, if they need to. And yeah, that, that's a really useful skill. And the first time, because I was, raised by an engineer. <laughs> the first time and, I, and then I was on teams, and I just hired engineers. The first time I ran into like a purely manager person, I was I was blown blown away because it was almost and this is just one specific individual I'm thinking of. So it's not going to apply to everybody. But they, they almost were like, I'm going to take an optimism that'll all work out route. And I was like, that's great. But we actually have to do the work. So that we can take the actions to make sure it does actually work out. We can't just say this is complicated and look the other way. And then that that was like my introduction to oh, this is a new style of person. Now let's figure out what their strengths are or how I can best communicate with them because my communication style is not working. And then that just stretched and grew me a lot, right? Because you got to get along with everybody. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and look, you're right, and and it's really important. And and I think for one of the big things for me is that if if I can't have an in-depth technical conversation with you, or I can't really understand how you approach problems, like analytically or anything in 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 that kind of uh, process, then it's really difficult for me to understand how you could be a, a technology leader, right? And I I don't I don't knock people leaders. I think they are super important. But when you're in in-depth tech roles, you definitely need to be able to talk uh, to a lot of the problems. Because like, how, how, do you, how do you translate what the business needs into a raw technical uh, way of kind of what we need to do to actually accomplish it, right? I think it's important. Although there's value in everybody, right? And I think it's just really understanding how to under like learn the person and, and read the person that's important.
0: Yeah. And it's awesome. I mean, reading the scenario, knowing what each company needs, knowing what each team needs, it's going to be specific. That's why, you know, when people ask a lot about team structure, I'm like, well, it's heavily dependent on business model for one. And then we can go up from there, but the two pizza teams and the A teams and the, you know, whatever, however you want to brand it, the Netflixes and the what, what you McCollum's of the world. Like uh, it's, you just have to do the work.
1: You got to dive in, you got to dive in and, and you know. It's, it's like, I it's kind of open it. it's it's one size does not fit all, right? There's so many different parts of, of tech and engineering. And, but also, you know, what especially when they're an engineer first, they bring a different perspective to problems, right? You're never going to have the folks that are just, you know, complacent with saying, oh, it's just always the way we've done it. But like, I don't like that. It, it's, if it's always the way we've done it, maybe it's wrong, and you need to fix it and address it differently. And, and then, you know, you have to figure out a way to, Come up with a solution, but also get people behind you to kind of help you see your vision and build it. Right, it's important. Yeah.
0: So, tell me if I forgot, but we were talking a little bit about how you met the executive team at SSNC. Did we finish that story?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think. Well, you know, as a, as a quick thing on it, we you know I, we met through. They were looking for somebody with a big financial services, but also startup background, and we had a mutual friend. Raul and I. And so what had happened is, is he was like, Hey, hey you know, SSNC, there's this company I never heard of them. And, but you know, he's a good friend of mine and he's looking for a CTO to kind of come in and, and really shape the way technology needs to be at this organization. Right. But you know, they don't necessarily just want a people manager. They want somebody that has the technical skills and technical abilities. And I said, Oh, okay, cool. Like I'll go have a conversation with him. It doesn't hurt. And just, you know, Raul is the type of guy that when you meet him, you know, he runs such a big organization and very, very humble and very, very smart. And he kind of knew. And the biggest thing for me, why I why I came over here uh, was Bill mm-hmm. and uh, they the executive that executive group was behind change. They knew change needed to happen. Uh, and it's history, I guess.
0: <laughs> so where's Raul today?
1: He is the COO he is he runs the entire business. And you know, he's, he's still engaged, just as much as I
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what what's like, if we were to take your current way that you're spending your time your current day, and we were to divide it into a pie chart with three sections, what are the, the top three ways that you're spending your time?
1: So I spend my time in so many different ways. So you know, I think some of the big things for me i would say is
0: um you think of them like macros right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's hard it's hard because it is because i i will say that i traverse through so many domains all day long like it's you know i i could wake up right on any given day and i'll be focusing on uh contracts uh budgeting you know, um, building out new data centers, figuring out all of the, the things that need to go along with that. Uh, we could be dealing with um, team planning, team structures, team organization, and kind of what we need to do to build out the different products and platforms that we're focusing on, uh, getting status updates from groups, and then uh, also going out and trying to find technologies that would uh, help SSNC grow. Right. If we're, if you know, potentially just MA and buying it. Like, if you see our history, we buy a lot of companies. So I'm spread really wide. So I'll be with customers and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, my week to week is, 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 is very variable. Right. It, it, everything depends. It's nothing is consistent.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like you're a founder. Right. Because yeah. that's one of the things. Like, I was talking the other day. My wife, she's like, would you ever go work for anybody? And I was like, Probably not. I was like, if they gave me a large bucket of cash and they said, go do what you want to do, then I would because I like being, I like getting to do that. Negotiating real estate contracts is actually kind of fun. You know?
1: It is. I love it. I, we, I mean, you know, we're, I'm negotiating contracts all the time. And like one thing to know is SSNC with a cool thing, we own data set. We own our data centers. Oh, that's right. Neat. 250 and i don't mean they're small 250 square foot facilities like big 30 megawatt facilities all over the place so like we when i tell you that we're my days are are very all over the place and they're very just busy and and, and crazy it it's it's the truth right so you, You know, you have to run and you have to be able to understand so many different verticals in in, whether it's business and technology and how to bridge them correctly. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Have you gone down the rabbit hole yet of uh, DNA based data like data storage into DNA?
1: No. What what, what is that?
0: Oh, Oh, it is the future my friend i have been watching this little market this this beautiful polished little section of the market emerge over the past 3 years from an mit project to getting out of mit to getting some external funding to to like doubling and tripling you know you, they have the one problem that they have of being able to the speed in which you can read and write data to dna um but the density is pretty interesting. I I think, I might be wrong, but I'll send you the video. But I think it's like a football stadium worth of servers can be condensed down to like DNA data, like the size of your hand, right? So they're using it for long, They're right now the the business use case is long-term storage. So these, I, I learned this whole part of the market, these, these companies, they have backups on tape, right? These like large tape backups. And then the, those are only good for so many years because they degrade. And so they have to just recopy them. And so there's this, there's a this money pit cycling right where they're just and drives fail after a certain time too so you're always cycling it well if you had like a persistent storage that was long term that would last hundreds or you know thousands of years because we can find dna thousands of years ago right uh and and so that was the concept and then the the barrier to this being usable was the speed at which you could read and write the data into the dna and so the spin out they built all this technology and then that's what the double and tripling I was telling you about. And now they can, they, you know, they wrote Wikipedia content in like a very short period of time to the DNA. And then I just saw like a few weeks ago, they got a major like fortune 50 companies CTO to like, leave that and then go work at their startup to take the product to market. And his like entire background history is taking products to market in the fortune space. And uh, they're called, the company is called, uh, I think it's called catalog DNA that they have the videos on their website and stuff too. So if you just like scroll around their website or at least they did a few months ago, uh, they have the, the understanding of it. But cool. when I saw it, I was like, this is the future. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Like these, these types of businesses are pretty awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you know, there's, that's interesting. There, there's not many. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I'm going to read into it because there's not many things in our generation that are like overly awesome right you know like this is cool obviously some of the stuff that spacex is doing is really neat you know some of the other ones aren't really that interesting right facebook <laughs> <laughs> you to your amazon.
0: grandparents it's interesting yeah to- <laughs>
1: exactly yeah my grandma really loves amazon actually my son the other day i didn't even realize it so alexa he just like he now knows what my wife orders him for christmas right because he'll go oh, to no. the like alexa- Alexa, show me the deliveries. He's like, mommy, what's this toy? And I was like, oh boy, we got to unplug it. Just throw it out. <laughs> They're smart.
0: They are. They are. The Alexa stuff. I was t- a really cool guy, um, David Spitzky. He's one of the e- evangelist tech tech leaders over at uh, Alexa. And I've talked to him a couple of times. My, my, one of my favorite takeaways from him is you can ask Alexa, why did you do that? And she'll actually tell you really yeah it's like one of the utterances that isn't very commonly known
1: i'm going to do that yeah. <laughs> alexa why
0: you that? <laughs> yeah why, why did you do that alexa she's like because i love you no <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the cool thing like was it's funny cuz so you know the zoom thing is new right for so we've been doing zoom birthdays zoom this zoom that and like uh we had like a zoom birthday party like right in the middle of this pandemic and um I was just like, oh, everybody it was like 30 or 40 different family members. Like, everyone will be quiet for a minute. I just want to tell everybody something. And then I, I think I said, like, Alexa, order me a thousand batteries, and you hear everyone's Alexa going off. we what which batteries for a thousand would you like to order? It was, it was pretty funny.
0: I love try it. that. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: would <laughs> <piss> everybody off.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. So, all right. So I want to get like I've got a couple more leadership things that I that I was really interested to hear from you because. I have these, we do these prep calls and I come up with these questions and then, you know, for the whole week. And then sometimes, like, I, you know, after I get to know you, right, after we've been talking for a little bit, I'm like, oh, okay, I want to hear what he thinks about this, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious, like, what are you learning right now as a leader?
1: Um, from tech or leadership perspective?
0: Leadership perspective.
1: Leadership, um, especially during this pandemic, I think one of the biggest things that I've been learning is, uh, you know, to make sure that checking in on people is really important because the, the mental health of individuals, it's something I never thought about. Uh, And now knowing that, you know, there's people that are just stuck inside their homes. They're not going anywhere. They don't have anybody around them. uh, Those are the types of people to kind of check in and, and, Focus on uh, being able to just change somebody's day, even the slightest amount, is is monumental in uh, in kind of maybe it's maybe small to me, but to them it's it's really important and big. And I think, you know, being more personable, getting down and and really letting people know that they could come and talk to me and, and be there uh, and focus on them, I think is is one thing I would say I've learned big time from this. Right? We could we could talk about all the other you know different things like, Oh, you know, uh, to be an inspirational leader blah blah blah, all that crap, but I don't think it's, it's as important as making sure that, you know, you have to realize that you put your pants on or, you know, or shoes or whatever it is the same way as every single person. Um, so, you know, nobody's better than anybody else. And you just you should make sure that people know that you're there. I think that's really important, especially as a leader.
0: I love that you say that too, because you know, I was thinking a lot about that. spending time with somebody, how you mentioned earlier, you reach out and talk to people and caring builds up, builds up trust. It builds relationship. And then it's like a bank account because you can spend that, right? Like I noticed what I have one of the things I was learning recently because we do Slack and we do our morning stand-ups on Zoom, and then we do Slack. And I noticed that there's this like currency you build with people, even people that are in your normal everyday life where, like you can't slack on it. like when sometimes I'll be slacking and or like going to type them a message and I'm like, I don't have enough social currency to be doing this with this person right now. We need to get on a call because it's been five days since I've had like a personal call with them. And I, I know that they're going to interpret this like the wrong way because it's text and it lacks context and everything.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, I, I hear people like, oh, well, you know, I do office hours. I'm like, It's not the same. Like just because you sit on a Zoom and you answer a couple questions, it's like, you, you know, the people are struggling, right? And like, so that's why I've, I've done, you know, I do those little things. And, and that's why I reach out. And that's why I do these like little competitions for the group. Because one thing pretty cool now that I'm doing, and, and it's, you know, just completely on the side, is I'm trying to work with our different vendors and source like a handful of PS fives in a handful full of new xboxes, right? Because that's cool. And like, if people can find a way to compete for those things internally, like how many places are handing those things out? Like, even if I have to go buy them myself, like I'll go buy them myself just so folks know, like, Hey, we value you. Right. And so I think it's, it's really important.
0: And it's like one of the best investments you can make too, because I always like to look at myself. Right. And because it's the shortest distance of like communication, Uh, but like when i am when i'm on the quality of work that i'm doing or when i'm when i'm taking care of myself the quality of work that i'm producing at the rate i produce it is vastly different than if something's not working at home cuz i didn't get sleep 3 nights in a row and then i didn't like you know i i left the wrong way or i was in a rush out or something and then like just things that day are like not going well at home that that just completely affects your entire life right and it affects your output and having relationships that are healthy and good at work can definitely help you get back in the zone or just you know realize that everything's going to be okay around some some people who care about you it's just it's so important
1: it is you know and i think also understanding that it should go without saying but I, i don't think it does in most cases but like Everybody's a human. Everybody has their own problems. You know, nobody's problems are bigger than somebody else's, right? So like, you know, it, it's, you have no idea what somebody's going through that given day, right? So as long as you're, literally dude, even like dropping like a hello or hey, it, it it's it changes for people, you know, especially people in, in these big roles. You know, you get a CTO that drops in of you know, manages thousands of people that just says, "Hey, how's it going?" Uh, It's important,
0: and it's hard to remember that too because you know people will get excited, you know, because we get to have a lot of awesome people on the show. And one of the things that I'm that I'm realizing is like, you know, it's just a lesson that you just learn over and over. Is everybody's just a person? It's like you and I. We get off this and we go and do the rest of our lives. And like, it doesn't stop. Like we're just doing our next activities until we come back again next year and have another conversation. But it's uh, it, it's just one of those things where you kind of sometimes forget that you are the CTO and you can go, or or you are in a leadership position and you can go talk to somebody else and they think that that's kind of a cool thing. And because yeah. it's hard because if you were to think about yourself like that all the time, you would be somebody nobody wants to spend time with, right?
1: Yeah. And that's, that opens with, with like being humble, right? That's why, you know, you could, you know, we, we went from talking about, you know, the macros and the working out pivoting into leadership and discipline, and then you could pivot back, right. To focusing on that humble because you walk in, you know, a gym or you go outside and you run, and you know, 150 pounds, 135, whatever it is, that's how much it weighs, it doesn't care if you're a CTO doesn't care if you're, you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't care about any of that. It's just it's there, right? So again, it's just being humble and understanding that at the end of the day you're literally we're all just a billion cells trying to figure trying to figure it out for a little while, right? That's it. Preach.
0: I love it. No, and and that's that to me that's why I have such a high respect for discipline. Yeah. So like when I see people who have discipline, and that's why I like being at the gym and I like being around those people because it's like we are like doing the difficult thing. And it's equal to all humans. It doesn't matter if you're a girl and you're five foot three, or if you're a dude and you're six, four, like the discipline is the discipline and and it's, and it's hard. And if you, you can see how long they've been doing it too. Like I've been doing it for like a year, but I I go to the gym, like that, look how big that person is. They've been doing discipline for like 10 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's so much motivational things to listen to around it too. And it was funny because talk about discipline yesterday. So My wife, you know, she's pregnant, so she comes to me because she's like, okay, it's like it's time for me to work out. I was like, all right. She's like, or we could just go to Chick Fil A and eat Chick Fil A, and I was like, damn. I was like, let's just work out and then eat Chick Fil A, though.
0: There you go. It's that compromise, yeah. (laughs) But it's important that you don't shut it down and that you kind of like play with it and and have like, oh, maybe, but we should probably do this versus like no, because then they'll just my wife would just cry and hate me. (laughs)
1: basically <laughs> you gotta cater man gotta do it yeah. gotta make sure
0: know your know. audience
1: yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what though it definitely pivoted quite a bit like after I had kids mm-hmm. cause you you know you just I think that you, you look at things really different um, I think it, and it really happened after I had my daughter because it was just like you know like what happens if somebody talked to my kid that way oh. like, I'd be super pissed off so you know you you start to grow some sort of uh, like your compassion definitely grows and your patience grows also.
0: <laughs> your patience grows tremendously. I've noticed it is, I mean, trying to get a, a three year old dressed or to eat dinner or something, it's just like you. And it the the most beautiful thing is how raw like. I, I like to compare it against. It, they're like computers of the of the 1960s, where they're the size of a room, and you can see the transistors, and you can touch everything. Like it's just so obvious what's happening. And then as they get old, they become these like microprocessors, and you can't really tell what's going on. You just you just know they have a microprocessor. But man, the emotions that come out, the negotiation, everything—it's it's it's amazing. Oh, it's crazy, right? Like,
1: she doesn't know. They don't know what I do. So like yeah. you know they. And it, you know what? And it's great because it just doesn't matter to them. They're like, man, okay, well, that's cool. I'm still going to throw this macaroni at you. Like, it's <laughs> nothing. I'm like, all right, no problem, dude.
0: That is one thing that's interesting that I didn't know when I was younger and that I know now is famous people are not famous in their everyday lives. Nope. Like, it, when you, when, when your name's on the marquee and you're on the stage and you're talking to thousands of people, like, in that moment, you're experiencing that. But then... The event's over, and you drive home, and it, you just go to the grocery store. It's just life.
1: And it, you just get in your car, and you press the pedal the same way that everybody else does, right? And and that's why you got to be humble. And, I, you know, it's I've met some people along this way, and just in life in general, that are not humble. And it's very irritating to sit around and hear people talk about themselves for hours on end. You know, who knows? knows what'll happen tomorrow's not promised
0: it's it's becoming well the good thing and i think you can appreciate it because we both have gotten to see it in our careers is that became unpopular it used to be kind of popular to boast and to, to command and control and all of that and we've literally seen over the past two decades that go to unpopular
1: yeah and what's what's actually really cool also right is that what i've been seeing over this um at least just this evolution is a lot of the tech talent and the tech, the technology people are required in almost any sales conversation. It's no longer just, you know, hitting golf balls at the course anymore, right? Like people want to make sure that your technical team, your technical chops exist. So your high level engineers and all that stuff, they're in the conversations more. And you see what AMD did where they promoted their CEO or their CTO to the CEO. She's brilliant, right? Who's so that um it's the uh dr lucy i think it's the uh the ceo of amd okay um,
0: i just talked to mark papermaster the other day who's the CTO. Mark's cool guy. yeah
1: Mark's cool guy yeah so yeah she was um was it yeah from amd she I think she was originally their uh cto for a while and then or the cio or one of those things and then they promoted her up to ceo which was really cool to see
0: Nice. Yeah, I just I think
1: they are do the same thing.
0: Just really bright people who care and who have some subject matter expertise in the area.
1: Yeah, which is cool. Dude, I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Have a great yes. day, buddy.
1: Everybody also, thank you.
0: Yeah, Thank you, team. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.